get this all the time. How do you hear from God? How do you know? How do, you, how do I know God's speaking to me? May, more, more than how do I know, I usually get this. I think God said this, but it could have just been the enchiladas I ate last night. Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? Like, I eat enough Mexican food. Sometimes God talks to me three or four times a, a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, you eat it late enough at night, and Taco Bell's open 24 hours. I don't know why they do that. And they, so God talks to me about 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes. People go, how do you know? How do you know God speaks? And, 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 you know, I hear somebody, I hear a story like Pastor today talking about God talking to him. And God's never talked to me that way. How do I know God really speaks to me? And over the course of the next couple of weeks, I want to give you some hope today that God really does speak to us. I want to give you some hope today that you can hear the voice of God. Over the next four weeks, I want to give you some hope that you can tune in, cut in through the noise of your life and sort of tune into the frequency that God has for you. Here's our theme verse that we'll use for the next couple of weeks. It's found in Proverbs, the third chapter. It says this, listen for God's voice. This is simple. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everybody. Everything, everything, everything you do. Everywhere you go, sometimes the voice of God sounds like a drunk man in the back of the church. Sometimes the voice of God sounds like your wife. Amen, all the women in the room. Sometimes the voice of God has sounded like my wife to me. I'll I'll go to make a decision and I'll have prayed and felt like I know what's right and I'll run it by my wife and she'll go, you can do what you want, but here's what I think. And almost always (laughs) she's right about that. You could say that's intuition. I think it's asking for God's voice. God, I want you to speak to me. I'm listening to the voice of God everywhere I go. He's the one who's going to keep you on track. So here's the good news. Here's what I want to dispel right in the very front. Listen close. God still speaks to people. God is a speaking God. He he talks to us. Any notion that God has stopped speaking is absolutely wrong. God has spoken through time. God's spoken His Word. Every time God would do something, He would speak it into existence. Matter of fact, the the third verse of the whole Bible is, and God spoke. God's speaking. The last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 21, the Bible talks about God speaking to us, and the, the bride says, and the Spirit says, it's God speaking to us in the beginning, God speaking to us in the end, God speaking to you right now. The problem is not that God speaks to us. God can speak to us. The problem is sometimes we have a, we have a tough time hearing. And I want to I give you a story today of somebody that had a tough time hearing from God. I don't know if you kind of fit in with this. You can relate to you know, the exact particulars of this story. But I think you can relate to the principle. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel. Let me give you a little history about Samuel. Samuel is the prophet of God in Israel. Now, in, in the Old Testament, there was only one prophet in the whole country. You had one church to go to, and if you didn't like the preacher, you just you were just going to go to hell. I mean, you, you didn't have any other choice. Some of us, you know, we kind of move around, not y'all, but at first service, they move around other churches. But I, I, I know people that, just, I don't like this one, I'm going to go there, I don't like this one, I'm going to go there. Well, you didn't, if you didn't like Samuel, you just didn't go to church. He was the only prophet they had. I like to believe all the prophets were short and good-looking and a little stubby. Anyway. So Samuel's the, Samuel's the prophet of God. He anoints the first kings of Israel. He anoints King David. You know David that kills Goliath. Samuel anoints David. Samuel anoints Saul, the, the first king of, of, of the United Kingdom of, of Israel. And, and so we know this about this prophet of God, but it started sort of, we look at his life later on, and we know he's this prophet, but it started way back when he was a little boy. 
There's some people who have a tough time looking at the lives of others and think, man, I want the anointing that they have. I want the blessing that they have on their life. I want what God's done in their life. But you don't know where they come from. You know what I'm saying, everybody? I I sat down with an older couple the other day. Not an old couple, just an older couple the other day, almost 60 years old and semi-retired. And I said... I meet so many 20-year-old couples who look at your life and think, man, I want that. That's what we want. That's the kind of home. That's the kind of life. I want to be able to travel and live in a motor home and just do that. Man, what a life that is. But you don't know the last 40 years of hell they had to fight to get there. You understand what I'm saying, everybody? And Samuel had that kind of existence. He's the prophet of God who gets the privilege of anointing the first kings of Israel. But it begins with him learning how to hear the voice of God in his life. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 3. It says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, this little boy, most scholars believe is 12 years old, is lying down in the house of the Lord. He, he literally is sleeping in church. I personally believe he's on the load-in team and he's just tired. It, it is what it is. So he's, he's sleeping in the house of God where the ark of, the, of God was. And then verse 4, listen, God speaks to him. The Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel sort of wakes up and says, Here I am. And then verse 5, he ran to Eli. Eli's the high priest now who lives also in the temple. He's the high priest. And and Samuel wakes him up. Now, I don't know if you have little kids. I have a little three-and-a-half-year-old boy who sleeps in his bed most of the time. But he's kind of... He started in the middle of the night, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, he started getting up from where he's at, and he'll just, he'll either scream out like in the hallway because he's scared of the dark. He'll scream, Daddy! And, and I have to go get him. Or the other day, this happens to a true story the other day, I'm laying there and your boy's out. just, And I'm a side sleeper and I sleep on the edge of the bed. We have a king-size bed. I love that girl right there, but when I sleep, I want you to sleep on that other side. You understand what I'm saying? Before that, Anyway, but when it's time to go to sleep, you can sleep on that other side. So, so I'm on the edge of the bed. That's where I like to sleep. I'm right on the edge of the bed. I don't hear anything, but I feel. You know what I'm talking about where you just know somebody's there? And I jump up, and this little dude is like Chucky doll, three inches from my face. He is right here. <laughs> I wanted to punch him right in the nose. I'll, I'll kill you. You hear me? That's how daddy punches people right there, son. Don't ever do that again. Daddy's got a pistol. This is Texas. Daddy's packing in the middle of the night. Don't sneak up on me like that. Samuel sneaks up on the high priest Eli, and he says, Eli, here I am. You called to me. And Eli sort of wakes up. I can see, you know, what are you, what are you, I didn't call you. And this is, the Bible is too clean to say this, but Eli probably says, go sit down, shut up, boy. Don't ever come back in here. Do that to me again. Don't scare me like that again. Go back and lie down. And so Samuel goes back and lies down. And again, now he goes back to sleep. Verse 6 again. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel gets up again, thinks it's Eli again. He goes, and he says, here I am. You called me, my son. And Eli said, I did not call you. Do not come back and wake me up again. I will punch you next time you come wake me up. Daddy's trying to sleep right now. And Samuel did not yet, listen, know the Lord. That doesn't mean he didn't know God The Bible explains itself. It said the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. In other words, Samuel, not. it's not that he didn't know God. He didn't know the voice of God. There's some people in this room today where you know God, but you can't hear his voice. Samuel had not been mature enough to understand the voice of God in his life. And so Samuel goes, Samuel goes back and he lays down and, 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 and Eli says, you know, this is what's going to happen. Verse 8, a third time. The Lord calls to Samuel, and he says, Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, Here I am, you called me. 
This is the third time. And if you're a parent, you know Eli did not go back to sleep. I'm still awake. I can hear you walking down the hallway, Joker, because I can't go back to sleep. You done woke me up three times. And he says, here I am. You called me. And then Eli, the high priest, realized, look at this, that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel what I'm going to tell you today. I'm going to teach you how to hear the voice of God. I want to give you some tools over the next three or four weeks to learn how to respond when you hear the voice, how you know God's talking to you. Go and lie down, and if He calls you, if you hear the Lord call you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood a fourth time, just as the other times. Now here's what I love about God. The first three times, the Bible just says God called him. God called him, God called him. The fourth time, the Bible says, the Lord came and stood there. You look at me in my eyes. There's some of you, the enemy's convinced you that God doesn't know where you are. God doesn't talk to you. God doesn't hear you. God doesn't know where you are. You hear me. God not only knows where you are, but if you're desperate enough to hear the voice of God, He'll come to where you are. He'll come to where you are. He'll stand in your room and talk to you. And the Bible says the Lord stood there calling just like He had at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel now, the voice didn't change. Now Samuel's response changed and he says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do something. Now God gives Samuel purpose. Now God gives Samuel direction for his life. I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it about it tingle. In other words, I've got something big I want to tell you. I just had to get your attention. So many of us are like Samuel today where you... You think that God can talk to you, but I'm just not prepared to hear it. I don't know, I don't know how to distinguish it. I, don't, I think I heard it, or maybe that was God, or I don't know what to do with this. And God is a speaking, He's an announcing God. Every time God would do something, He would announce it in the Bible. When Jesus was born, the, the angels announced that there's going to be a baby born in Bethlehem. He's an announcing God. When, when Jesus begins His ministry, the Bible said that heaven opened up, and the voice of the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's an announcing God. I'm an announcing dad. Anyone know what I'm talking about like that? We have a two-story house in my home. I have two little babies, and they play upstairs in the playroom, and we're downstairs. Daddy's got his shoes off. I got a Coke Zero laid back, and I'm watching Netflix. I ain't trying to get up and deal with y'all. And I can hear the noise going on upstairs, and I can hear the screams, and I can hear the cries, but Daddy's trying to watch his shows. I'm watching my stories. I can't get up. Right now, so I'm an announcing kind of dad, so I'll say something like this. I'm about to come up there. Y'all ever do that? Y'all ever say anything like that? Just like that. I'm usually about to go up there about 30 minutes. That's how long I'm about about to go. Don't don't. say it one more time. And then we'll, and if I don't see blood dripping off the staircase, everything's okay. Honestly, I just, I let it just happen. Just whatever happened. But I announce what I'm about to, and then when I finally get up there, now it's time. Somebody's going to get whipped. Somebody's going to get a spanking because I I had to get up. Here here we go. I announced to you what I was going to do. Now listen, in your life, believe this or not, God wants to announce to you the things he has for you. The things He's planned for you. The things He has prepared for you. It's not that God isn't speaking. Matter of fact, here's what I want you to write down. God doesn't have a speaking problem. We have a hearing problem. 
It's not that God isn't speaking to me. It's not that God doesn't, God doesn't want to, God doesn't want to talk to you. It's that my ears aren't tuned into the right frequency. Samuel didn't get it the first time. He didn't get it the second time. He didn't get it the third time. How many of you are glad that God doesn't give up on you when he's trying to get your attention, everybody? You know what I'm saying? Maybe you live that kind of life, second and third and fourth and fifth time and a hundredth time, God finally shakes you and gets your attention. Finally, Samuel and you know wakes up and, and is able to, to, to discern the voice of God in his life. And so many times, again and again, people fall into the trap thinking, God doesn't want to speak to me. I can't hear from God. I don't know what's going on. And we start playing the comparison game. I think the sin of our generation is comparison. I really believe that. I think it's the sin of our generation. It's mommy guilt. It's you looking on social media at their life and your life doesn't look like their life. And why does God speak to them? And why did God bless them? And why does everything seem to be all right in their marriage? And my marriage is terrible and theirs looks good. And we we play this game of I don't understand God why I can't hear from you and why they can't hear from you. I find myself believing that God can speak to you. But I struggle with believing that God can speak to me. And, 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 and we go, God, I, I just, I don't know what this sounds like. I know that you talk, but listen to me. I want you to know that some of you, some of you are in a critical season right now. Some of you, honestly, you came to church today in a critical season. You came to church today needing direction, needing to know, God, what do I do? Where am I at? How do I make this move? How do we get back on track? How do we fix our marriage? How do we get, God, what do I do with this business? Is it time to sell? Is it time to retire? Is it time to walk away? God, I need to hear a change. I need to hear from you. I need God's voice. Let me give you some hope today. Look in my eyes. Listen very closely to me. God wants to weigh in on your situation. God wants to speak to you. It's not that God isn't speaking. It's that I want you to get your ears in a way that you can tune in. I, I love the title of this series, Frequency, because it talks about it talks about tuning in to the voice of God. I grew up, I'm a child of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s, and I had a 1988 Mazda MX-6. Where y'all at, everybody, on that 1988 Mazda? It was two doors. I had a sunroof, and the girls absolutely loved it. Are you hearing me right now? We didn't have, I didn't have a CD player. We didn't, I didn't even have a tape deck back in that. You remember when the tape deck, you could put the tape in and make the CD player. That's how you had to make all that stuff work. I didn't have any of that. All I had was a radio. I just had, we just had a radio. And if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, 20 or younger, this is interesting. It's not a satellite. It, it has commercials and all kinds of crazy stuff. And I had this, di- this dial on the radio. And the way mine was is, is it had like all of the frequency, you know, 107.9. You know what I'm talking about? All the Spanish stations. You know where all my Spanish speakers are. You know what I'm talking about? And then, in the, and, and then, and then early, all the Christian stuff was in the 88s. You know what I mean? I, I was never on that right there. And I would, we would, I would tune into And I grew up, my parents loved, loved talk radio. And I grew up. Sort of, I, I, I love it today. I listen to talk radio from 9 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. It drives my wife crazy. It drives her absolutely loony. But I love it. I grew up hearing it. And I can, I can remember in my mind's eye sort of tuning into, t- changing that station. And you would, you would tune in to past other stations, past some static. You know, it'd go, And you would just hope that you could get to right on the right frequency to hear the song you wanted to hear, or hear the station you wanted to hear, or country music. Where are all my country music fans at? Where y'all at? Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, dude, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to tune in just so I could hear the chorus to Neon Moon. Where y'all at on Neon Moon? That's real country, by the way. Luke Bryan, not real country. Neon Moon's real country. That's right. 
I would, I would want to tune in and stay in on that frequency. And I would just, I would just pray long enough that I could, I could stay on to this. And listen, now most people don't even know what a radio is that has that frequency until you get in an emergency. All the power's out. A storm's brewing. There's a hurricane, a tornado, a thunderstorm. All the cable's gone. All the satellites gone. And you go get your radio trying to tune in to hear the weather. You need instructions about what to do. Now listen to me. This is the way most people view the voice of God. That you only want to tune in in an emergency. I only want to hear from God when things are bad. One of the hardest jobs, honestly, Bishop would attest to this. One of the hardest jobs I've had pastoring, Bishop, is when I see people come and go from church, I know that when you come, there is most likely a problem. And as things get better, I see some people drift away from church because things got better. And when they come back, without ever knowing the story, I know you need a word. You're in an emergency. You need to hear from God, so you're tuning back into that frequency. Here's my question. What if you could live your whole life tuned into a frequency where you could always hear from God? What if you could prepare your life? What if, you, what, what if you could get in a position where you didn't have to wait for an emergency to tune in, but you were always on a frequency where God could speak to you? That God doesn't have a speaking problem, but that my ears are ready to hear from God. How many of you would love to live that kind of a life, everybody? Ain't that, that's really what I want for you, honestly. That's my hope for you is that you, all, that you, don't, that you sort of get some consistency in your life where there's, there's this consistent frequency. Listen, it's not a transmitter problem. The radio in your car is a receiver. It's not the problem of the person on the other end with a microphone. It's not God's problem. God's constantly speaking to you. It's a receiver problem. And over the next couple of weeks, I want to give you some tools to sort of be able to tune into, to find the frequency where God is talking and live your life sort of on that frequency where you can hear from God. The first way I know how to do that is, is to get your heart prepared to hear. Because honestly, anything I give you over the next couple of weeks, some practical tools about how to hear from God, how God speaks to your life, if your heart's not ready to receive, if you're not tuned in, if, if it's not right, if you don't have a radio even, if you don't have a spiritual life that even has an antenna up to hear from God, it's never going to work. So I want to give you four ways today that, that you can prepare your ears and your heart to hear from God. I, I call these the four listening hearts. They're found in, in, in a parable that Jesus tells about a farmer. Here it is in Luke the 8th chapter. Read along with me. A farmer went out. This is normally how Jesus would tell a story, a parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scatter, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And some of the seed that he scattered fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. This is, this is you know, I'm scattering, a, he's, he's trying to, and, and now there's two different scenarios where the seed doesn't take root. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked it out. It choked out the, the growth that started coming up. Verse 8, still other seed. Interestingly enough, the first three fall on bad soil. The last one's the one that finally gets it right. I don't know if it's true in your life, but in my life, usually, that's the way it is. got to hear it three or four times, and then finally, I get it. And that good soil comes up, and it, and it yields a crop. And if you're wondering what my, my prayer for you is, here's my prayer for you as a church. As your pastor, here's my prayer for you as a couple, as a married couple, as a business owner, as a real estate agent, as a banker. Somebody that works in an assembly line. Somebody that gets up every morning and gives your very best. In your finances, as a parent, raising kids. My prayer for you is this. 
that there's something that plants in your life, that there's something that the Word of God takes root in your life, and it produces a hundred more than was sown. I want you to live that kind of abundant life. Matter of fact, we've planted this whole church around this idea, that you can have an abundant life. That living for God isn't depressing and dull and dead and dry and cold. They can be vibrant and life-giving. You can walk out of church with your head lifted up and a, a smile on your face. And you can beat depression and you can have joy. And you can have a vibrant, spirit-empowered left life that you live for God. That you really do have a hundredfold of the thing that's sown into you. My hope is not that my preaching just gets in your heart. My hope is that it produces a crop that changes your whole life, everybody. I want your life to be better. Here's the way we always say to City Hills. If you'll give us a year of your life, if you'll you'll commit to just one year, for one year, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to go to growth track. I'm going to get in every connect group. I'm going to serve on two or three teams. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I'm I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to put all the chips in on the table. And here's my promise to you. A year from that day, you decide to go all in. Here's what I believe. I think you're going to see a harvest a hundredfold more than you've given. I really believe the way God's, God's economy works and the way, the way that this church is designed is not that we want something from you. That's, that's just not the kind of church this is. I want something for you. I, I want your life to be productive and I want you to grow. I, I want you to harvest in your life a healthy marriage, great kids, a good job, God blessings on your life. And when he said this, here's what's interesting about this parable. He talks about all of this soil And then he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Jesus connects hearing from God to the soil of your heart. Because soil matters for harvest. And there's some people in the room who haven't heard from God, not because God isn't speaking, not because there's not seed that is being sown, but because the soil of your heart isn't it isn't ready. It isn't ready to receive what God has for you. If I toss seed on this stage and you come back next week, you come back in a month, it's going to be sitting on this stage. Nothing's going to grow up on this stage, everybody. You understand what I'm telling you? Because this isn't the right soil. But if you toss it in the right soil and you come back a month later, it's now grown in your life. I want you to grow in the way that you hear from God. Is that your prayer, everybody? Shout amen to that if that's what you want in your life. So Jesus kind of gives us... an. This is rare for Jesus to do, but he, he actually explains the parable. Rarely does he do that when he, would, when he would tell a prayer. Rarely would he give, and this is what that means. But he does in this parable, Luke 8 and 12. He says, those along the path, he tells, this is what I'm talking about. Those along the path, you, me, are the ones who hear us. So there's so, there, there, the voice of God speaks. There's, there's seed being sown into my life. I hear But then you remember in verse 5, those birds, the Bible said, that came and and takes away. He said, that's the devil. It's actually the enemy in your life that comes and takes away the word from your heart so that you'll live your life defeated, not believing, not in victory, not in joy. And that's honestly the devil's plan for your life. The devil's plan is not to wreck your life by making you make bad decisions. The devil's plan to wreck your life 
is to choke out the word I preach over you that this Bible says about you. That when God says that you can have joy and you can live an abundant life and God's got a plan and a purpose for you, that you can be empowered by His Spirit, that God can change everything and heal you and lift you out of addiction. All of that stuff I, I, I preach over, the life I preach over you, the, the life this word says about you, everything God says about you, the enemy knows I may not get them to trip up any other way. I'll just ch- I'll take away that word of hope. You may be in church today feeling hopeless because he's choked out. I can't hear the voice of God. My heart's not ready for that. I think there's four hearts in here. Take good notes. This isn't in the Bible, but if you take good notes, you go straight to heaven. I don't, that's just, that's the way I believe it. If you don't take good notes, well, you know. Here's the the first kind of heart. This is the kind of soil, the heart that you have. The first one I call the contaminated heart. The contaminated heart. Write that down in your notes. God speaks to you and it lands in your heart, but it doesn't stay there because there's junk all around it. There's contamination there. Everybody's got it. I've got it. You've got it. I'm not pointing fingers at you. Everybody's got junk in my life, stuff in my heart, sin in my life, that when God's Word comes to me, when the voice of God speaks to me, it's choked out because of all the contamination and pollution in my life. You ever been to Los Angeles, California? Let me see where you're at. Uh, Everybody, uh, we have a couple of people who moved here from L.A. I love Southern California. I don't love L.A. I love San Diego. But L.A.'s, LA's okay. I remember the first time Brandy and I went to Los Angeles. We went up to the Hollywood Bowl. We went up, we were real high, and we are hiking up. We look over the city. We're thinking, man, we get to see all over, and you, you know, some, some friends that said, you can see all the way to the ocean. It's going to be beautiful. You can see Santa Monica. You can see all the way to the Pacific Ocean. So we get up there, and, you know, I'm a little husky. It's a little tough walk. Anyway, whatever. So I'm thinking I got a view coming up. You know what I'm saying? We get all the way to the top, and your boy's like, whew, whew. And we, I kind of stand up and look over, and you can't see anything. There's blue skies and you can't see one building over that cliff because the pollution, the smog is so heavy that day that it literally had settled over the city where I couldn't see anything. It wasn't the bad weather. It was pollution. Oh, I feel what I'm preaching to you right now. There are people in this room where you come week after week, First Wednesday after first Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, and you can't hear the voice of God, not because of the conditions around you, because they're the conditions inside of you. Because there's something that I haven't given to God. There's sin in my life. There's pollution there. Or maybe it's not even something you've done. Maybe it's something somebody did to you. It's offense and hurt and pain. And and you carry all of that stuff around. I honestly believe that the devil will stir up problems in your relationships just so he'll pollute your heart so you can't hear from God. I really believe that. You ever wondered why you always fight with your spouse on the way to church? It's not coincidence. It's not because you got bad kids. You may have bad kids. It's not just because you have bad kids. It's not just because you're married to a jerk. You may be, you may be married to a jerk. It's not just because the, the problem is the enemy knows if I can stir this up, then whatever the word that God wants to give to your heart, there's pollution. It's contaminated by this offense. It's the reason why I think people live their life in offense. If the enemy can keep you offended, then he can always, the lens that you look at the whole world through is offense. If my glasses have a scratch on them, some of y'all look better without glasses, by the way. If my glasses have a, <laughs> if my glasses have a scratch on them, everything I look at is scratched. The chair scratched, the floor's messed up, the TV's messed up, my iPad's messed up, you're messed up. 
You really aren't. It's I'm looking through the lens of offense. I have this lens, this contamination that I can't hear from God because everything else is polluting my heart. You understand what I'm preaching to you right now? Shout amen to that. You, you carry it around. You, you, I can't hear from God. I, usually I'm not bothered by critics. Honestly, I'm not. I've been a leader long enough. I've been in full-time ministry almost 20 years. And I've, I've done this enough where honestly I have a pretty thick skin. But occasionally some stuff just gets through. I'm being honest with you. Some stuff gets in my heart and gets through. And every now and again it gets personal and it bothers me. And I go to pray. And I'm supposed to be praying for you. And I'm supposed to be praying God would give me a word for you and a message and a series or direction for our church and leadership. And I, before I know it, I'll have spent 30 minutes, Trent, I'll, I'll, I'll have spent all of my time praying through that offense. And I never prayed for you. I couldn't hear God's word for you because I'm too busy focusing on. You think that's by accident? No, no, no. That's the enemy contaminating your heart. So that you can't hear the voice of God. That there's stuff in your life that, that's all over it. What do I do with that? Here's what James says. James 1.21 says, Get rid of all of the filth and evil in your lives. So that you can accept the message God has planted in your heart. If you'll get rid of all that stuff in your life. Some of you need to make a call today. Listen to me. Some of you need to make a phone call today. Send an email. Write a note. Forgive somebody. Get it out of your heart so there's no contamination so you can hear from God. Shout amen to that, everybody. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. Some of you men need to apologize to your wife right now. All right, good. I knew one of y'all in here needed to. Probably more than that. Y'all just didn't do it. Second area, i got to hurry quickly. The second area you can find in Luke 8 and 13, it says this, the rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy. I love those kind of people. Man, I receive it. They're the amenners. Y'all are my favorite people. I grew up in kind of a wild, spirit-filled church. Nothing you could do to scare me. You could, you could throw a chair at me right now. Nothing scared me where I grew up. So I, I like amenners. We don't do that now. If you do that now, somebody, I have security, they'll take you out. That's real, though. <laughs> but I, 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 These are the amenners. Man, they receive it with joy. But... Like young plants in the soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while and then you walk outside the door and there's hot winds of temptation and testing. And it gets hard. Listen, I've tried, but there's other stuff blowing in my life. There's this wind of temptation. I, I receive the word. I think I heard from God. But temptation comes and it does what I call, here's the second thing, the competing heart. There's too much other stuff competing for for space in my head, in my heart. And now I can't hear from God because of this wind that's blowing. There's too much noise. I was at church the other day. The band was rehearsing. We were here the other night, and everybody was getting ready and rehearsing. And I was talking to somebody, and, and the ba- I, listen, you can't get it loud enough for me, so it doesn't matter to me. But I, I knew that somebody couldn't hear me. You ever talk to somebody that you know they don't know what you're talking about, and they just keep shaking their head and smiling? You know, like, yeah. This, I knew this was going on. I thought a brief moment it went through my head. I should probably tell them to join the kids' team and start tithing 20% because they're just going, yeah, yeah. I thought, I could, I could get away with anything. We're going to put you on the schedule right now. Oh, yeah, that'd be good, yeah. And they couldn't hear me for anything. It wasn't that I wasn't talking. It's that there was too much noise from this stage competing with their ears. 
listen to me. We live in a culture of too much noise that competes for God's word. I'm going to tell you the truth. The majority of it comes from this screen. The majority of it for me, maybe not for you because you're more spiritual than I am. You, some of you are texting me in church. Quit that. The major, you did it. The majority of, the majority of it, ha- honestly, we have the whole world in our hands right here. And that's the biggest tool we have. Some of you are in this church because of this tool. But it's also the biggest curse of our generation. Because it distracts me. I can't hear. I read a statistic the other day that kids aged 18 to uh, 8 to 18, young people 8 years old to 18, listen to this in America, spend an average of seven and a half hours a day in front of a screen. 53 hours a week in front of a screen, staring at something. It's competing for my, the average American checks their cell phone 150 times a day. Some of y'all are above average. You're overachievers. You know what I'm saying? Like three, four hundred times. A, I think somebody just called me. There's, nobody's called you. Nobody. It's actually created a scientific. This is a truth. It created a, sci, a psychological, scientific phenomenon known as a phantom ring or a phantom notification. Anybody ever got one of those? Where your phone is over here, but you feel it buzzing in your pocket, and you, you reach. You don't even. It's not even there. You've tricked your brain into, I have a disease. I'm confessing to y'all. I thought it's second services. To, I just, I'm wild. I'm just going to confess. I have this disease where I cannot see notifications on my phone. If I see a red dot for an email, a text message, an update, and anything, I am bound by science to answer it and reply. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Anybody else have this disease? I can, my wife does that. She has the opposite of this disease. If one email comes into my inbox and I see that little one, I got to answer it. I got to see what it is. I got to see what I got to reply. I got to put it in the right folder. I got to organize it. I leave, I'm telling you the truth, I leave my life when I go to bed at night at inbox zero every night of my life. Glory be to the Father. Amen, everybody. My wife at this current moment has about 30,322 messages unread in her inbox. And I, there, there they are. And I'll look at her and I'll say, babe, I, literally I, I'm getting the shakes. Like I'm getting nervous talking about it. What, how do you live your life with that? Why? I, I'll tell her, babe, did you get that email? She said, I, probably, I don't know. I got a bunch of emails. I, I don't know. Yeah, sure. I got it, yeah. I don't, it drives me crazy. I have to check it over and over. Here's the problem with that. The problem with this disease about notifications is there's times in my life when I need to be present and hear from God, and I can't because I'm distracted. There's a competition going on for my attention. I'm confessing to you. I'll do it first thing in the morning. I'll roll over after Henry and I punch him in the eyes for being so close to me. I'll roll over and I'll check my phone at 3 a.m. You do it too. Do not lie to me. Instead of talking to God. And I'll go through my day and I'll think, God, I need direction today. God, I need wisdom. God, our church is making some decisions right now, uh, uh, you know, about our future and how we move forward. And, and, and we're praying and believing for a building, everybody. We're believing God. God's going to work it out. God's got something right for us. Shout amen to that, everybody. And we're praying for it. And I'm asking God for wisdom. God, give us. We've got to have money. We've got to have the right place and direct us. And don't make us let her make a wrong decision. And sometimes I go, God, why aren't you talking to me? And it, he is. I'm just distracted. 
I'm just distracted. I've started my day on Facebook instead of asking God, God, what do you have for me today? God, listen, I'm asking you, before you clear your notifications this week, just take a whole week with me. Open your Bible first. Don't read your Bible on your phone in the morning. Put your Because a text message will come in, you'll get distracted. Get a real, some of y'all, you don't even have a real copy. Go get your grandma's big family Bible where she put all the weddings. You know what I'm talking about? Big one. you got to flip it like this right here, like, ah, like, ah. Get it. Read that in the morning. Everybody okay with that? I don't want it competing with God's voice in my life. It happened to people like Mary and Martha in the Bible. Luke 10 says there were two sisters there. One named Martha, one named Mary who were seated at the Lord's feet. Jesus was there. One was listening to his teaching. But Martha, the other one, was too, too obligated, too busy, too occupied. She was distracted with much serving. Which, by the way, that doesn't mean serving on the dream team. She was... She was you can't get distracted with too much serving on the dream team. Amen, everybody. This is where I hear from God. She was, she was distracted by everything else in her life. Same, same conversation. One sister heard. One sister was distracted. There's a competing heart. Here's the next one. i got to hurry. Luke 8, 14 says, The seed that fell among weeds stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and so here's what happens to them. They never grow up. They never mature. I meet this more oftentimes than probably any other heart that I meet. I call it the childish heart. It, it literally is an immature spiritual heart. It's spiritual immaturity. You're, you ever tried to grow a weed in your yard? Not weed. A weed. If you've ever tried to grow weed in your yard... Don't tell me. <laughs> Confess to Bishop. He's there again. If you're drunk or growing weed, talk to him. Have you ever tried to grow a weed? Nobody's ever tried to. Weeds just naturally come up in your yard. They'll just naturally go. And if you let them long enough, they'll take over your whole yard. Because This is actually the same as weed and weeds. <laughs> actually, it takes over your whole life. It just takes over everything in your yard. And if you, if you have a neighbor who has weeds all over their yard, it's, it lends to neglect. That's what you know. They're, they're not taking care of the yard. It's, the, the yard isn't growing up. It's been, they've stopped trying. They're not putting out fertilizer. They're just letting it. Whatever happens, happens. And listen, there's some people who your spiritual life, weeds have come in and attacked and choked out the Word of God simply because you haven't been mature enough to care for what God has given you. You've never grown up. Now, I'm gonna, for about two minutes, I'm going to preach hard, and then I'm going to go back to being loving. I'm going to go to Joel Osteen. I'm going to be T.D. Jakes for two minutes, and I'm going to go be Joel Osteen in just a moment. But you look in my eyes. I will not have a church of spiritually immature people. My hope for you is that we are mature enough to go, I'll get up early to serve because I love this. This I've given my whole life to this. It's never an imposition to ask. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to give to missions. We're going to do more. And as soon as I give more, I'm going to stand up and say, how much more can I give? That's not because we're a dictator. It's because we are spiritually mature people. Shout amen to that, everybody. When you're a child, you don't have to cut your grass. But the weeds will come take over. When you mature, when you don't neglect your spiritual life, then suddenly the Word of God can grow free in your life. You okay with that, everybody? I'm back to Joel Osteen. Look at me. Everything can happen right. 
but you got to grow up. You got to get spiritually mature. I got two babies, and and Brandy and I are pretty. We we, I, we have a pretty decent vocabulary as adults. We have a pretty sophisticated vocabulary. But when my kids are around, even my six year old, we still talk baby talk. Anybody do that? Still talk baby talk? We do. We call my little girl. Her name is Hazel. I don't know why we call her this, but we call her Peepa. I don't have no idea why. And we call my little boy Bubby, not Buddy, because he can't say his D's. And so we say we say Bubby and Peepa. Now listen, I'm I'm more sophisticated than Bubby and Peepa. You understand what I'm telling you? I can speak to my wife in more sophisticated tones. But when my children are around, they're not mature enough to understand our conversation. Oh, I'm helping somebody right here. So you so you so we dumb down our conversations so that we can get on their maturity level. Some of you are asking God for divine wisdom, but he can't speak to you in wisdom because you're too immature to receive it. So God's trying to give you direction in your life. God's trying to give you the will of God for your life. He's trying to speak into your marriage, speak into your hope, speak into your finances, speak into your spiritual life, but you're too immature to understand the language. You're too, you're too immature. I, I, I don't know what you're saying right now. I'm dissatisfied with the level of communication I have with you, but I'm too immature to be able to hear from you. Spiritually mature people get up 15 minutes earlier so they'll pray, so they'll read their Bible. Spiritually mature people come and they serve and they give and they do it with a smile and we choose joy because I will not have a childish heart. Shout amen to that, everybody. You know the best way to do this? Here's the only way I know. Hebrews 12 says it like this. It says, we are surrounded by so many examples of faith that we get rid of everything that slows us down. That's maturity. Especially sin that distracts us. And we run the race. Notice all the we's. The best way I know for you to get spiritually mature is in a group or on a team. You cannot grow up alone. You need a family. It's why I ask you every week. It's why I talk to you about getting on the growth track, joining the dream team. That's not because we want something from you. That's because I want you to grow spiritually. I want something for you. It's why I ask you to get in a connect group. It's not because we want something from you. It's because all of these we's are responsible for your growth. Shout amen to that, everybody. Here's the last thing. Henry, come play because I'm almost done and I'm really not done. Luke 8.15 talks about the last one, a contaminated heart, a competing heart, a childish heart. And here's what Luke 8 and 15 says. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. And here's my hope for you over the next three or four weeks. Who hear the word. You learn how to hear the voice of God in your life. You learn how to hear how God speaks to you, how God will direct you, how God will give you wisdom, how God will order your steps. I need that, everybody. I need that raising kids. I need that in my marriage. I need that in this church. Amen, everybody. I need to hear from God. I want to be able to hear the word. I want to retain the word. And I want it to, by continuing on, by persevering, I want it to produce a crop. I want your life to be better. And if you'll learn how to hear from God, I think it will be. I call this the cleansed heart. Just knowing that all that stuff's out of my life. Clean out your heart. Get all that stuff out. You say, well, that that sounds hard to do. I don't know how to do that. No, no, no. 2 Corinthians says it like this. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles us or distracts us. Within and without. Sin that's inside of me and offense that's outside of me. And let's make our entire lives able 
to hear from God. It's a simple word. Honestly, we, we kind of run away from it in church sometimes, but it's a Bible word, and it's this. I want you to repent. I want you to find. To, you're going this way, and I can't hear from God today. I want you to turn around and go this way so you can hear from God. I'm, I'm, I'm going this way, and I feel like God's silent, and He's not giving me direction, and I don't know why we're here, and I don't know how we got here, and I don't know how it's going to get better. But if there's something in my life, if there's a, if there's a heart, it's not a, it's not a speaking problem. If there's a listening problem I have, I'll turn around. I'm going to repent and I'm going to go this way so that I can hear the voice of God. Because, here's the last thing I want you to write down and close your notes and we'll pray. Because God's voice is clearest in a prepared environment. God's voice is clearest. God's always speaking. But you're able to tune in when you have a prepared environment.